Thank you so much, everyone. Well, before I start, I just wanted to say thank you for this opportunity, first of all, and thank you to God for being part of his story, because this is all about his story in any way. And then thank you to Shane Willard. He's been my teacher and my mentor for the last eight years, and I, and I really need to just honor him in that. Right, today's message. This morning, I would like to talk to you about the age-old question, what do I do with my regrets? Sometimes it's public regrets, and when it fell apart, you felt like the whole world saw this fall apart, and you can hardly live with the embarrassment of, of it. So that's, that is regrets. So what do we do with that regret? What do we do with our sin, our bad decisions, our guilt? our condemnation. Maybe it's something that no one else knows of, but you know. And when you lay your head down at night, you wonder deep inside, is God okay with me? Maybe you're still lying in bed at night asking forgiveness for something that you did years and years and years ago because you just want to be sure that God is okay with you. If I can use a bucket as an illustration, if you took a bucket and you fill it up with all your regrets, your bad decisions, your shame, your sin, and things that you don't want to end up on Facebook because you'll be really, really embarrassed, and you've got this bucket, what do you do with this bucket? Um, it's an old age question, and there's, there's thousands of answers to this. We're just going to jump to the ancient world. In the ancient world, they cut themselves to rid them of the wrongs before their God. Why? The idea was that the body is bad and the spirit is good, so I would cut myself. But the problem is, what if you just cut yourself 10 times and your God wanted 11? So you're not really sure there. Um, sometimes they sacrificed. Um, the problem is, when, do you, when have you sacrificed enough? When is that... When do you reach that level? And you know what? Our world is not much different to that. We have tons of answers for this. In my grandmother's generation, for example, they were told that um, to get the weight of, of sin off you, you have to be really, really, really sorry. Now, the problem is, what is really, really sorry? And how do you show God you are really sorry enough? So the bucket never gets empty. Sometimes we say, to get rid of your sin, your guilt, your shame, come up to this altar and be really, really repentant. And of course, then the question is, what is really repentant? You look at the word repentance and it means to return to the one who bought you. <laughs> so it doesn't really fit you. Then you get on your knees, you get on your knees until you can feel it bleed, and then the ancient monks wrote in their diaries, I stayed on my knees until they bled, trying to feel forgiven before God. Then the New Testament church proclaimed, yes, but we are under grace. But if you look at their actions, they're meaner than Leviticus. I mean, that's really mean. So ultimately, what do we do with our bucket? And here is what the preach is all about. This, is, this explains God's kindness to us all. This is what he did. He set up one day here. 
It was on Tishri 10. Tishri is a month. It's the first month of the Jewish year. Tishri 10, and this is essentially what he said. Everybody is going to bring their buckets, and we are going to empty the buckets so that everybody gets at least one fresh start a year. It's a brilliant idea. So this is what I want to talk to you about. What do I do with that bucket? When I found um, studying this um, is that the oldest answer is the best answer, and it is recorded in Leviticus 16. So let's, let's have a look at it. I'm reading from uh, Leviticus 16, uh, verse 3. This is how Aaron is to enter the most holy place. He must first bring a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He is to put on the sacred linen tunic with linen undergarments next to his body. He is to tie the linen sash around him and put on the linen turban. These are sacred garments, so he must bathe himself with water before he puts them on. From the Israelite community, he is to take two male goats for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. Aaron is to offer the bull uh, for his own sin, an offering to make atonement for himself and his household. Then he is to take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of the meeting. He is to cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other one for the, escape, for the scapegoat. So this whole ceremony that God sets up centers around two goats. It was a service. It was a ritual that they would uh, come and do every year. Why? Because every year you need to empty your bucket. Otherwise, you'll carry your bucket over to the next year and the next year, and eventually you turn out to have three or four buckets, and eventually you need a crane to carry your weight. So... This is why they do that. God said, we're not going to do that. Interesting that this is the holiest day in, on the Jewish calendar. This is the holiest day. And the holiest day had nothing to do with us worshiping God, really, at first. It had to do with, come, I've got a gift for you. Um, and here is the gift. Bring your bucket, and we're going to empty that bucket. We're going to put a ritual around it so that you would never, ever forget it. It will be centered around two goats. They would cast lots for these goats. One lot was for the Lord, and it was going to be a very bad day for that goat. But let's admit, I mean, if you're born a goat, it's a bad day, period. <laughs> and then the other one was for the scapegoat. The interesting word here, scapegoat, the, the Hebrew word for scapegoat is azazel. Now, I'm going to ask you to repeat something with me, I've, and there's method behind this madness. Um, I want you to remember it past Tuesday next week. So, um, azazel literally means take him away. So, the scapegoat was azazel. I want you to say that word with me, azazel. And what does it mean? Take him away. So the idea was that this Azazel was going to be removed, going to be taken away. Another meaning for the word Azazel is a weapon in the hands of the enemy. 
which really fits here, for the enemy uses your sin, your shame, your guilt against you. So we are going to make sure now that the enemy can never use your bucket against you again. So you see, there's all these nuances in, in this word. One lot for the Lord and one lot for the scapegoat. Say it again with me. Scapegoat is called Azazel. Right. What does it mean? Take him away. Let's keep on reading. Verse um, 19. Aaron shall bring the goat whose lot falls to the Lord and sacrifice it for a sin offering. But the goat chosen by lot as the scapegoat shall uh, shall be presented alive before the Lord to be used for making atonement by sending it to the wilderness as a scapegoat. Now, a couple of things in context. Ten days of awe. Now, Yom Kippur um, happened on Tishri 10, right? Every year. And from Tishri 1 to Tishri 10, they were commanded to have ten days of awe. Essentially, the ten days of awe was take ten days and then fill up your bucket. Take ten days and realize how bad the last 355 days have been for your decision-making. So take 10 days and fill your bucket with all your sin, your shame, your guilt, and your bad decisions. You see, the, new, uh, the Jewish New Year starts on Tishri 1. So the first 10 days of the year, we used to think of just how bad this previous year was and how I really stuffed this up. This is the kindness of God as revealed in Leviticus, Nochaz. No matter what you've done, you are not allowed to carry it past Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur wipes it all away. What would happen if the body of Christ make that their stance? No matter what people have done, we can't hold it against them. Even in Leviticus, I mean, a year has been like the limit. So, the word Kippur, Yom Kippur, the word Kippur, now, I've explained it previously, how the Hebrew language started, they first wrote in like little pictures. So every letter would be um, a picture, and then the word would read like a comic strip. I'm just going to run through uh, three words for you quickly. The word Kippur in in Paleo-Hebrew is a K, a P, P, and an R. And if you you read it the Hebrew way, it says... um, Covering, covering, your hand, has been uh, spoken loudly out of the mouth of the highest person. In other words, whatever you're in, in your bucket, we're going to cover this. And the word comes from the highest authority, which is God. Now, the goat for the Lord was taken inside. Now, I want you to picture this. this there were like 300,000 uh, people here. Um, the, the, the goat of the Lord was taken inside. The ritual centered around two goats, the, the goat for the Lord and the escape goat. What's the escape goat called? Azazel. What does it mean? Awesome. Just uh, three words for you to understand quickly. We think of sin as sin, the bad things we do. In the, in, in the Hebrew world, they, their sin had levels to it. And you, when you read scripture, you will actually find this, the words. Sin... Um, as we think of the bad things we do, in their world um, is three levels, the, the following. Iniquity is the first level. The word in Hebrew is avon, 
And it, if you read those um, pictures, it, it means it's got an eye and a fish hook, and it, one fish becomes two, becomes three, becomes four, and it means that whatever your eye hooks do, multiplies. If I can um, use a watch as an example, I see your watch, and I think to myself, that is a good watch, or a nice watch to have. So now my, that's iniquity. Now the lust for that watch grows, that's sin, and tomorrow I'm going to take that watch. That is transgression. Those are the three steps for sin. Sin is the word katar, and it says in Hebrew, a different set of boundaries becomes the authority that I have to fulfill. So if God has a plan and purpose for your life and you decide to, um, to choose a different set of boundaries, um, and that becomes a, um, an ultimate reality that you have to fulfill. And then the last one is transgression. It says in Hebrew, my own perception speaks to me as the ultimate reality, and it consumes me. Now, this should bring the grace of God into full view. This is incredible. The Bible says, we all, like sheep, has gone astray. Each of us has turned uh, their own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity, first level, of us all. What does that mean? God does not just forgive you for what you've done. God forgives you all the way back to where you are hooked to that thing where no one else knows about. God forgives and cleans out your entire bucket. This is incredible. Right, elements. There's two, uh, three elements that we need. We need a temple, we need a priest, and we need animals. On Yom Kippur, everything had to be absolutely perfect. If you read Leviticus, even the priest underwear had to be right. That's, that's how perfect it was. <laughs> this was the moment where heaven and earth collided, and God was giving everyone a cosmic do-over. And uh, don't we need those do-overs every now and then? Come on, guys. <laughs> I really do. So this was God's answer. It wasn't kneel long enough, press in, pray long enough, beat yourself long enough, cut yourself. No. Simply show up and bring your bucket. My goal in working you through this uh, today is that you will understand the ceremony and that you will fall in love with Jesus a whole lot better and ultimately understands the power of celebration, forgiveness, and atonement. So, we are... Sorry, I just want to... We are two goats. Here's what would happen. Aaron would take the goat inside. Now, what is the problem with that? The problem is that you have got 300,000 people outside, and they can't see inside. So, the scapegoat was to be a visual illustration of what happened inside the temple. And here's what would happen inside. He would take the goat, and then the first thing that he would do is malah. We, we, that's where we get the name from, laying hands on people. Now, in, in, in Hebrew, it has got nothing to do with touching those people. It's got to do with something that I have the authority of imparting on someone else. The word there, again, is malah. Um, so he would impart the iniquity 
the sin and the transgression of um, Israel um, onto this goat, right? The Talmud, um, the Talmud is, um, is basically, uh, we use that as well, it's, it's uh, Hebrew um, law and, and Hebrew uh, religious law. Uh, the Talmud said, the pressure of putting on the sins on this goat forced the priest to turn his head. <laughs> Hang on. The gospel writers say that when Jesus was on the cross and all the sins of the world was put on him, that the Father had to turn his head. You see, this is a nuance that would not have been missed in the ancient world. It is like the gospel writers are saying, this Yom Kippur thing, this thing is happening in front of us on a cosmic level. So the next thing that he would do to this goat is he would, uh, it's, called the, it's called press. That's basically what it's called. He would lay on this lamb. It, I think the idea was literally get the sins into this lamb. So he would lay on the lamb and, uh, or the goat and squeeze the sin into this goat. Now listen to this. This is absolutely incredible. The Hebrew word for press is Gethsemane. Hang on. So Jesus goes to the garden of Gethsemane, meaning the place of the press. Remember what he prayed to God. He said, Father, I am pressed with the sins of the world. <laughs> it's incredible. Right, let's go back to the temple. At exactly nine, uh, the ninth hour, the priest would proclaim with a loud voice, it is finished. And he would cut the, uh, the goat's throat. He would catch the uh, blood in a cone-shaped cylinder because the blood had to be alive. And he would swirl it and walk uh, uh, from the altar, altar to the Holy of Holies, saying this, don't touch me, don't touch me. I have not yet offered the blood as a sacrifice. That's what he would say. Remember Jesus after he was raised from the dead, he had an encounter in a garden with two ladies. And what did he say? Don't touch me. Back to the temple. After the priest now sprinkled the blood on the altar, he would come out and he would wash his hands. And after he washed his hands, he could be touched. Now remember... When Jesus showed up in the upper room and he said to Thomas, if you want to, Thomas, you can touch me now. In other words, the goat for the Lord has fulfilled its duty. Shot. Now let's read further. Uh, Leviticus 20 from verse 20. When Aaron has finished making atonement for the, uh, the most holy place, the tent of the meeting and the altar, he shall bring forward the life goat. He is to lay both hands on the head of the life goat and confesses over, um, over it all the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites, all their sin, and put them on the goat's head. He shall send the goat away into the wilderness in the care of someone appointed to the task. The goat will carry on itself all the sins to a remote place, and the man shall release it into the wilderness. Then Aaron is to go into the tent and meeting and take off the linen garments that he put on before, the earth, before he entered the most holy place. And he is to leave them there. 
He shall bathe himself with water in the sanctuary area and put on his regular garments. Then he shall come out and sacrifice the burnt offering for himself and the burnt offering for the people to make atonement for himself and for the people. So here's what would happen outside. What happens outside is exactly what happened inside, laying hands on the goat. Uh, The priest would pray a prayer of forgiveness over this goat, for he would put um, all the sins and the transgressions of Israel onto this goat. They were visual people. So when the Bible told them to put the sins, their sins onto this goat's head, they literally did that. And they did it by wrapping a red cord around this goat's head. Hang on. Jesus is standing before Pilate in a trial, right? And he's in front of a Jewish crowd. And what do they do? They wrap a crown of thorns around his head. So what color does it become when you wrap a crown of thorns against someone's head? Red. So Jesus is standing before a Jewish crowd with a red wrapping around his head. Incredible. Back to the temple. Aaron would then walk through the crowd with a goat. Now he's got this goat. Now he's walking through this crowd of 300,000 people. Okay? Um, and he would say this. Behold, Israel, your sins have been removed from you as far as the east is from the west. Behold, Israel, your sins have been removed from you as far as the east is from the west. Now, I don't know how long that took, but I mean, to walk through 300,000 people must have been some time. And then he would get to the end of, of, of where the people were, and then he would hand this goat to the man appointed to the task. He would then take um, a pair, uh, well, a knife, probably, they didn't have scissors. He would then take um, a knife, and then he would cut a piece of that cord off the goat's head. And then he would walk back to the temple. And he would put this cord on the temple door for everyone to see. And then the guy appointed to the task, the man appointed to the task, would then take the goat into the wilderness. The Talmud says that every year on this very day, a miracle happened. And the miracle was this. When the goat was released into the desert, the cord turned white. (laughs) It was like God is saying, all your sins are gone. The bucket is empty. The goat has been removed. Later, they actually threw the poor goat off a cliff. The only reason was, if you read the the history of of the Jews, one here at Yom Kippur, the goat actually made its way back after four days. (laughs) Yeah, like a loaded goat. And they said, no, we're not going to do this anymore. We'd rather make sure we just you know, throw him off a cliff. <laughs> so the cord turned white. Isaiah, if you read in Isaiah, he references, he says in Isaiah 1.18, Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins were like scarlet, they will be made white as snow. This is a reference to that day. That, that day in Yom Kippur. So when the court turned white, you knew that everything was done. 
Here is how Yom Kippur ended. It ended with a special chair. There was a chair on stage. And when the court turned white and all the work was done, the priest would, in front of all the people, sit. And when this happened, it was the sign for 300,000 people that all their buckets are empty, and then they went nuts. <laughs> Why? Because after 10 days of thinking how bad the last year was, it's a new day. The priest has sat down. Hang on. Remember when Jesus, when he was wrapped in this uh, crown of thorns around his head, and Pilate is in a conundrum, isn't he? His wife's like, darling, please don't do anything to hurt this guy. So he's between the wife, his own heart, and the crowd outside. So he brings Jesus out, like the Azazel. And what do the crowd start shouting? This is incredible. John 19.15. Pilate says, Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, Take him away. Take him away. Crucify him. If a Jewish crowd is shouting, take him away, what are they yelling? Azazel, isn't it? Azazel, Azazel, put all our sins on him and remove him from us. In Leviticus, it says that there would be a man in charge of the Azazel, right? Remember when Jesus said to Pilate, you have been given charge over me but it's only been given to you by my Father. Isn't that interesting? And Leviticus also says that the man in charge of the Azazel must wash himself in front of the people. Now let's uh, look at Matthew 27, 24. It says, When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, he took water and he washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood. It is your responsibility. So you have a Jewish crowd yelling, Azazel. You have a man in charge of the Azazel washing his hands. So it's like all coming together. It's all coming together. Watch this. This is incredible. Hebrew 10. Remember now Yom Kippur ended with a priest sitting down, right? Look what the writer of Hebrews says. Day after day, every priest stands and performs religious duties again and again, offering the same sacrifices which could never take away sin. But when this priest offers a one-time sacrifice for all sins, he has sat down at the right hand of God. So to the writer of Hebrews, Jesus is sitting. What does that mean? It means that there's no work to be done anymore. There's nothing left to do. The whole world has been reconciled, redeemed. It's been made brand new. There's nothing else to do. The priest has sat down. Which leads me to a question about the pride of Christianity. The priest has sat down, right? Right? Jesus is sitting 
at the, at, at the right hand of the Father interceding for our sins. Oh, the church would say, but you have, we've got these things that you need to do to be in. We've got this confession that you have to confess, and we've got this prayer that you might have to pray. Let's look at John's take, John uh, 2 verse 1. This is incredible. Dear children, I write this to you that you would not sin. But if you do, we have one who speaks to God in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice. The word sacrifice is kippur, for our sins. And not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. You see, in John's day, Christianity was running the risk of elitist people who think that they were in and everybody else was out. So what John is saying here, he says, Yom Kippur is not only true for you. Yes, the priest has sat down for the things that you did, but it's also true for, this, uh, it's also true for the entire world. You see, you can't ask for mercy for yourself and then justice for everybody else. God, please be merciful to me, but just go get that guy. <clears throat> That's me. <laughs> Yom Kippur is true for you and 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 everybody that's here and everybody else. What would happen if the, if the church, um, if that becomes the church stance? So, we are in a, in a um, series of Go and Make Disciples. So how do we respond to this? If we realize how, how amazing is the forgiveness of God, that we are all forgiven, the Bible says he has reconciled us before the uh, foundation of the world through, through his son Jesus Christ, by what? By choosing, choosing not to count our sins against us. When, when did this happen? Before the foundation of the world. If we take that as our stance, how easy it, is it then to forgive other people, people that wronged you? You know... <laughs> When Jesus sent out the 72, he was, he was very clear in what he said. He said, go out and fellowship with people. If they offer you food that you don't eat, suck it up for the kingdom. And then, once you've done that, then start praying for people if they need anything, giving them food. And then only tell them, this is the kingdom. If you look at Moses, for example, I mean, God didn't give Moses a pamphlet or a scripture and said, you know, I mean, Moses thought that was the case, and he said, but God, how can I do that? Because I stutter. And God's like, who said anything about verbalizing a message? Go be God to Pharaoh. Go read it in Exodus 20. He said, go be like um, God to Pharaoh. So, how can we remember today? The hands have been washed. The cord has turned white. But I keep on making mistakes. I know. But the cord has turned white. The bucket is empty. The priest has sat down. Nothing else left to, uh, to do. Pray if you want to pray. Worship if you want to worship. Cut if you want to cut. But do not do that. Do it because you need to do it. Not with any thought that God needs you to do it. All of those things, all of those things 
should raise your awareness of what's already true. Not try and create your, uh, a new reality. This is so important. Why? Why would we do that? Because the priest has sat down. He sat down, guys. There's no, nothing more to do. Nothing else to do. Everything has been reconciled, restored, renewed. Jesus called it the reconciliation of all things. Paul called it the renewal of all things. Peter called it the restoration of all things. All things. <laughs> that family member that you worry about, would you think that that's in the category of all things? That challenge that you face, is that in the category of all things? That slave driver that you're actually bowing to, is that in the category of all things? You see, the priest has sat down, but God is still at work. So the best way to remember today is the goat has left the building. You say, but I keep on failing. I know, but the goat has left the building. But they keep on bringing it up. I know, but the goat has left the building. Maybe the church should change the, uh, this, to this. Instead of having a list of things for people to do, our official position should be, yes, you've done all that, but I don't see your goat anywhere. Yes, but they, they were wrong. I know. But the goat has left the building for them too. <laughs> but I'm in debt to my eyeballs. I know. But the goat has left the building. But I have a problem with this drug and it keeps on calling my name. I know. But the goat has left the building. My marriage is in shambles. I know. But the goat has left the building. But it was my fault. I know, but the goat has left the building. So when people come in here looking for a fresh start, we can clearly say that your goat, we have not seen your goat anywhere. So I want you to have a moment with God right now. I want you to, to close your eyes, and I want you to fill your bucket. Fill your bucket with all those things that you, that's destroying your life. Fill your bucket with all your sin, your shame, your guilt, and the things that, that is really that you're buying down to. <sighs>